Well, would you open your Bibles to First uh, Peter chapter 1? This morning, we're going to focus on verses 1 to 2 with a message called Elect Exiles. Elect Exiles. Have you noticed that the world has increasingly become more hostile and more resistant and more um, adversarial against the church and against Christianity? Uh, even the last five years, 10 years, there's been such a, a shift uh, against uh, Christianity, against um, biblical values, against Christ himself. And the message of First Peter, um, chapter 5, verse 12, as Peter is closing off his, his book, he says, I've been exhorting you, I'm teaching you by the grace of God. Stand firm in it. And this is what this series is all about. Because, you know, I was praying, uh, fasting, I was seeking, Lord, how do we close off the year? Right before Christmas, it seems like there's such a polarization and such division and such a, a, a antagonizing against the church. Um, and it's like, Lord, what do you, what's your heart for your people? What do you want us to know? And I believe it's in this idea, I believe it's in this two words, stand firm. And specifically, we're to stand firm in God's grace. Stand firm. Um, standing firm is not an offensive strategy, but it, rather it's a defensive posture. Ephesians 6 says that we're to stand firm against uh, spiritual warfare, stand firm against the wiles or the fiery darts of the enemy. In fact, James says that, man, all we got to do is, you know, the devil, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But all we have to do is submit ourselves to God, stand firm, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And um, my heart during this series is that we would be a people of God who would stand firm in His Word, stand firm in who He is, stand firm in His sovereignty, that we would relax and rest in who God is and let God, um, as I said earlier, advance His kingdom. So let's get straight into our text. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles, there it is, underlined, circle that, elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, I just want to focus this morning on these two words from this first two verses. And the two words are elect exiles. And at first, this seems like an oxymoron, elect, that we are the chosen ones by God. Later in Peter, we're going to say that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar, set apart for God, that we're this elect chosen people of God, but at the same time, we are exiles, that we are cast out, that we're not really inside, that we are elect exiles. Now, we all know figure of speech, the oxymoron 
are two opposite words that are joined together to create an effect. Oppositional words uh, create a unique phrase. So even that word oxymoron. Um, oxy in Greek means oxus, uh, meaning sharp, but moron, moros, where we get moron, it means dull, sharp and dull. Uh, what's an example of oxymoron? Uh, maybe uh, jumbo shrimp, right? Something that's jumbo and a shrimp. Here's another one. Uh, act naturally. You're supposed to act, right? But you're supposed to be natural. Or, oh, this is the larger half. Or here's an open secret. How could it be secret and yet still be open, right? Or... Man, that is seriously funny. Like, which one is it? Is it serious or is it funny? Here's another one. A deafening silence. Or old news. How could something be old and be news? Because news, it means new, right? Something just been revealed. How could it be old? Or it's because I love you and I support our military and our armed men but military intelligence, okay? But in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, Paul, Peter addresses and to describe in the introduction what this whole uh, thesis of these five chapters, what it's all about, he addresses them as that you are these two things. You are the elect people of God, the chosen people of God, the peculiar people of God, but yet at the same time, you are exiles. And I believe that if there's any word that would uh, describe where the church is at, is that we are the elect exiles of God. And here's the main point that I want us to write down and to walk in truth in. Would you write this down? To be elected by God means to be exiled in the world. To be elected, to be chosen by God means that we are to be exiled in the world. Now, uh, before we get into this meaning, we have to know who is Peter referring to. Because in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, uh, you know, to the to the elect exiles of the dispersion. Dispersion means the diaspora where um, the people of God, historically it meant Jewish people who were outside of Palestine, Jewish people who were outside of Israel. And he says the exiles during the dispersion in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia or Bithynia. Now these are Roman provinces that were outside of Palestine, and that's a common use of it, but is this talking about literal Jewish people that lived outside of Israel or outside of Jerusalem or Palestine, or is this referring to Christians living outside of heaven, outside of the kingdom of God, outside of the presence of King Jesus here in this world? Is it exiles outside of Palestine or Christians in the world? Who is Peter really writing to? Um, I believe that uh, Peter, he's referring to Gentile believers, though it may include 
Jewish believers, but Gentile believers who are in this world. But because we're in this world, our citizenship is in heaven and we're exiles, we're sojourners, we're immigrants or we're refugees of spiritual refugees here on earth. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 to 4, it says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when what? You do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So apparently, once upon a time, B.C., before Christ, these Gentile uh, believers or these Gentile converts joined in this debauched lifestyle, this lawless living of sensuality, of passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. If we could rewind the tape a little bit, B.C. days, before Christ, before you... Uh, surrendered your life to Jesus. Remember those times? I think about it. Remember just living for the weekend? Just looking forward, working hard, hustling so that we could just live and party, you know, happy Aloha Friday, Pauhana Friday, where we're just looking forward to opening cold one or a six pack or a 12 pack and for the whole weekend just party and rest and relax and and have a good time right after work we would just look forward to just ah i just need to get drunk i just need to drink beer i just need some alcohol just to kind of have fun and just drown my sorrows away and going out with going to the clubs and going to different bars. Well, to be an exile means that you are, there means to be maligned. And Peter says here, man, you remember you used to live like that. And now when you don't join them, they are surprised that you don't join them and now they kind of cast you aside. Now you're an outcast. Now you're an exile. Now you don't belong to them. And before we go on judging <laughs> other people's lifestyle, think about your own life. And maybe it wasn't alcohol and partying and drinking, but maybe your vice and your thorn in the flesh and before Christ, it was all about success. It's about the love of money. Maybe you weren't partying for the weekend, but weekend was a time for you to just uh, go advanced, is to stay ahead. Maybe weekends for you was like overtime and long days and long hours and hustling and lost weekends, not spending time with, with the Lord, not serving in the church, not uh, giving of yourself, not spending time with your um family and your children but you're just living for yourself or you're living so that you could reach your financial goal and financial success so that you could buy that home so you could get that sports car and you could get that tesla or that range rover and maybe that's what your life was but peter here he says hey 
you are exiles. You are God's chosen people. To be elected by God means that we are to be exiled in the world. Let's look at Hebrews 11:13. It says, These all died in the faith. Who are these? These are Old Testament believers, those who put their faith in God, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were what? Strangers and exiles on the earth. And here's a concept of exile, not outside of the commonwealth of Israel, but outside of heaven here on earth. See, our home is in another place, and it is our home where we find rest for our souls. And we're totally just at home is with God. Heaven is our home. Earth is just our pit stop. It's just our rest area. It's just our fuel stop in preparation for all of eternity. We are strangers in a foreign land. I think I may have mentioned this before, but May of 1987, our family moved from Philippines to Los Angeles, California. There was six of us with six suitcases, and I, I don't know, 1987, they didn't really check the baggage, and they had all these people with extra, especially Filipinos, uh, we have these um, take-home boxes or gifts, we call them pasalubong, all right? and so. Anyways, uh, all these heavy luggages meant extra fuel. So we had two fuel stops. We had one in Korea and actually another one in Honolulu right over here. But anyways, um, when we were just so excited, our family, I, I was about eight years old that time to, to go to America. I was imagining snow and... Um, living the American dream, but we had to make a stop at Korea to fill up for gas. And in Korea, you know, it was pretty modernized. I mean, I grew up in an island with no running water and no electricity, and I was just mesmerized by uh, Korea. At our, we had, I believe, like three hours or two hours there. Anyways, we got comfortable in our rest stop, and we bought chocolates, you know, and uh, my sister, she bought a boombox. I don't know, it was in the 80s. You had those ghetto blasters, those big old boombox. Instead of headphones, they had these big radios that you would listen to, put over your shoulder. She bought a boombox and a stereo, and we we're just so excited. And I got caught, um, I was just mesmerized by these elevators, horizontal elevators that didn't go up or down or escalators, but they went, you know, you've seen in, in uh, Daniel Inouye Airport, these horizontal escalators that would just go, and I would just play on that back and forth. And my parents like, hey, John, John, it's time to get back um, and go to our flight. But I was just so caught up in that, mesmerized. I was so entertained by it. I was like, okay, yeah, let me just go to the restroom real quick. And um, it, of course, I didn't. I was just playing back and forth, and I lost track of time. And I went to the waiting room where we're, my family was at and where our flight was at and nobody was there. And I went to the next waiting room, nobody was there. And I started panicking and I started crying. And then my mom saw me, it's like the whole plane is waiting for you. She grabbed me by the ear 
with the strength of an omniscient and omnipotent mother and dragged me in and the whole plane was delayed like 15, 20 minutes and everybody just gave me stink eye because um, I got caught up. Now the silly illustration points to the fact that, man, I was entertained. I, I thought that this was what it was about. I thought it was about getting chocolates and getting a boombox and playing in the escalators. But that was just our fuel stop. Our main agenda and our landing home is what? America. It was in LA, Los Angeles. I think oftentimes um, we don't have the mentality of exiles. We, we buy stuff we, to make sure that we're comfortable here on earth. We accumulate things, we accumulate possessions, we accumulate wealth, we, we secure up our bank accounts to make sure that we are secured and we are set here on earth. There's nothing wrong with financial security. There's nothing wrong with things. You know, um, First, Tim First Timothy says that God has freely given us all things to enjoy. But what I am saying is that, listen, we need to make sure we can't be too comfortable here on earth. We cannot live for this present evil age, Galatians 1 says. That we don't put all of our effort and all of our time and all of our energy and focus and concentration on temporary things now, here now. Because we don't belong here. We're transients. We're sojourners. We're exiles. We're citizens of heaven. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things upon Himself. Do you guys catch that? That we are citizens of heaven before you are a citizen of, you know, before you are, a, God bless America, right? Before you're American, you are first a Christ follower. You're first a Christian. Before your allegiance is to the United States of America, your allegiance is first and primarily to Jesus and to his kingdom. Before I am Filipino, I am first a Christian. You know, having biracial kids and, um, you know, my wife is uh, half Irish, half Mexican. It's cool to learn different cultures and foods and traditions. Um, you know, my son Judah, first time being in public school since first grade and he's in Kaiser High School. And, you know, he's, uh, that boy is, uh, is thick and he's tall. And uh, they're trying to recruit him for football and stuff. But anyways, he hung out, he hangs out with uh, different guys. And people think that he's Hawaiian descent. And he lives in Waimanalo, you know. And I was like, Judah, you didn't let, tell them you're Filipino from Hawaii Kai, bruh, come on. <laughs> but anyways, he was just... Um, making sure i told him hey judah before you're hey i'm 
I'm half Filipino or I'm half Mexican, you know, or I'm Irish, whatever it is. First and foremost, you, your identity is that you are a Christian. First and foremost, your citizenship is in heaven. And we are just exiles here on earth that God has chosen us. And here's our second point. Would you write this down? Stand firm in God's grace because election engulfs us in God. Let me repeat that. Stand firm in God's grace because election engulfs us in God. And after he says that you are elected and that you are exiles, he says these three prepositional phrases in verse 2, that we are elected according to the foreknowledge of God. Number two, that we are elected by the sanctifying work of the Spirit and that we are elect that we may or for obedience to Jesus Christ and to Jesus Christ by the sprinkling of His blood. You guys see that? The Trinity is at work. Now, even though the technical term Trinity, triune God, three... Um, Three persons, one God is not in the Bible. The reality of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is expressed all throughout from Genesis to Revelation. And it does so right here. Listen, your salvation is so complete. Your election is so comprehensive that the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is at work. All you got to do is stand firm because the grace of God got you. The grace of God engulfs you. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says... Um, Hey, it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, that it's because of this undeserving gift of Jesus giving His life for us, which enables salvation, which gets you to, to save you. It says, for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, the love of God the Father. Listen, it's because the motive of the Father's love that you are saved and that, and that you are chosen and it says by the fellowship of the holy spirit it is through this partnership this empowering of the holy spirit that sustains you that you are saved and even though we live in a hostile a resistant a combative culture listen all we got to do is stand firm and we stand firm as exiles citizens of heaven but also we stand firm as the elect chosen of God, according to the foreknowledge of God, by the fellowship of the Spirit, for the obedience of the, Jesus Christ, the Son. Being chosen by the foreknowledge of God, what's the basis of that? Why did God choose me for His own? Or put it very personally, what will be your bottom line answer when God meets you and says, how did you come to believe in me and be saved where others did not? Our answer is, God, you knew me. You, you had the foreknowledge. Peter's answer here is that God foreknew me 
that God elected and He chose according to His foreknowledge. But what does that really mean that God re-elected myself and God knew what I would do? That He chose me on the basis of my self-election? Or is it, what's God's foreknowledge really about? Well, John 15, 16 says that Jesus said, hey, you did not choose me. We did not choose Jesus, but Jesus says what? I, Jesus, chose you. Our choosing God is based on God's choosing us, not vice versa. God's foreknowledge of His people is not merely His awareness of what they will do, but His foreknowledge of His people is His acknowledgement of them. Let's look at Psalm chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This does not mean that he's aware of the way of the righteous, but ignorant of the way of the wicked. It simply means that God acknowledges, God recognizes the way of the righteous. God knows his people and is approving and he's acknowledging them. Let's look at Amos chapter 3 verse 2. You only have I known among all the families of this earth. This does not mean that God only acknowledges or knows the existence of Israel, but He acknowledges Israel as His own. He recognizes Israel as His own people. And I just want to wrap this up of standing firm in who God is according to the foreknowledge of God by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit for the obedience of Jesus Christ, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God in the Trinity works to secure you and to save you and to sustain you till the very end. And we may not be the majority as exiles, people of God, and sometimes we may feel like we're alone. And if you feel like you're alone standing for God, being an exile here on earth, remember that only eight people got in the ark. Only four people escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah. Only David stood against Goliath. Only Elijah stood against the prophets of Baal. Only three Hebrew children refused to bow to the king's idol. Only one woman anointed Jesus' feet. Remember, only one of four, only one is fertile ground for the Word of God to grow in. Remember that only one out of the ten lepers who were healed returned to worship and to thank Jesus. Remember that many enter the wide gate that leads to destruction, but only few, few, a minority, the exile, the chosen people of God, find the narrow, narrow gate that leads to life. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Lord, uh, we love you. We thank you, God, that you have chosen us. We did not choose you, but you chose us and you knew us. You acknowledge us from the very beginning, O oh Lord. Just like Jeremiah, even from the womb, I knew you. 
So Father, I pray right now that we would stand firm, that we will not find our strength in numbers, but we would find our strength in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so Lord, I pray right now for an outpouring of your grace, of your strength, of your mercies, of your presence to be upon us. May we be salt and light here on earth. May we always stand firm and remember that we are elect, chosen people of God, even though we're exiles. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.